Welcome to the Food Life Podcast. You are about to hear easy to prepare and fun to serve recipes plus cooking tips paired with real conversation about the issues we face every day. It's food and life. And now, here's your host, Donna Britt. Welcome to episode eight. This one I'm calling The Big C's Cancer and Cauliflower. I had an intro to the episode already recorded, and then a few days ago, I got some news from a dear friend of mine who was just diagnosed with bone cancer. She, like me, is a breast cancer survivor. She had her breast cancer a decade or so ago, and unfortunately, it has come back, metastasized, as they say, in her bones, and she is so positive and has such a strong personality and great outlook on things. She has a great doctor, and she is on her healing journey now doing a lot of different treatments, some alternative, um, and I'm just sending out a lot of love and light to my dear sweet friend, Pam, who is going down this road. And it's um, it just made me think when I got the news that, oh my gosh, I was planning on talking about cancer already, and I had some things recorded. So I just wanted to change up the beginning of the podcast so I could bring her into it and talk about how she is such an inspiration. Another acquaintance I ran into um, just a couple of weeks ago who I hadn't seen in quite a while. And since the last time I had seen him, he lost his son to cancer, his son who was in his early 30s. And as we were talking about it, I was basically crying, beginning to weep. And I said, I just don't know how you have been able to handle this or process it, how you're still upright. And he said the most profound, beautiful thing. He said, you know, I just focus on how I got to have him in my life as long as I did and how beautiful that was. So yet another inspiring story. And that's why I wanted to talk about cancer the big C, because there are a lot of inspiring stories in my own life. Cancer affects a lot of people. I'm sure that everybody listening has been touched by it in one way or another. So I wanted to share some stories, a couple of people in my life in particular, or beings, I should say, in my life in particular that I want to introduce you to. I also want to talk about clean eating and the potential food nutrition cancer connection. Also, I want to share some recipes, including this amazing roasted cauliflower, the simplest recipe ever, (laughs) this thing I stumbled upon a few years ago, uh, thus the other C being cauliflower. So the roasted cauliflower, also clean eating, C part of this. And also, finally, I think the backdrop for the whole thing is how my belief is that cancer is a very personal personal journey for anybody going through it. It's quite personal. There are so many different paths that you can go down. So I do want to talk about that particular belief that I have of how personal this cancer journey is. First, I'd like to introduce you to two of the most inspirational beings in my life, both cancer survivors. One is my mother, Patsy, who was diagnosed with breast cancer when she was 39 years old, so quite young. She was a nurse, and back in that time, it wasn't a given. It was actually pretty experimental to get 
a reconstruction, but when she found out that the lump in her breast was malignant, she decided against a lumpectomy because she was worried about it coming back. She had them remove her breast, and she got a reconstruction way in the early days. Uh, Along the line, years later, she had to get an implant replaced. But her attitude and her outlook and her spunk, uh, even all these years later, (laughs) is still intact. As a matter of fact, she just had a, a milestone birthday, and we didn't all get together because it was winter and cold, and we're going to do something in the spring and summer this year. But she uh, ended up taking quite the road trip <laughs> through some southern states, all back roads because she doesn't like to drive on the interstate. And uh, she did it by herself, and she's just an amazing lady. And she always has been, ever since I was a little girl. She's a fighter. I think she came out that way. And there's nobody who inspires me more than my mom. And part of it is to educate yourself. She was a teen mother. I was born when she was 18. So she ended up finishing high school and doing her college and nursing school all while I was a little girl and a young girl growing up. So I saw my mother fighting hard to get herself education, to get herself educated, and she taught me the power of education, which that comes into play as we have this cancer conversation in just a little bit. The other being that is inspiring me to no end these days is Lucy, and Lucy is a 12-year-old mixed breed, mostly shepherd dog that my kids and I adopted 12 years ago from a humane society in Nashville. And she was really, she was my son's dog, but she was with all of us, of course, when he was young. And then when he moved out on his own, Lucy went with him. And she has been having trouble the last couple of years uh, with this thing on her side. It started out as this little kind of this little lobe, which was non-cancerous, and then she bit it off, and then she got a lump, and one thing led to another, and she had to have a, a few surgeries, and she just had a big one not too long ago. They removed this lump. They found out that it was a, a, a squamous cell carcinoma, which is a skin cancer like humans get. It's unusual for a dark-haired dog to get it. She has black hair, black and brown hair, not white hair. And it's unusual for it to present itself in the way that it did in her body. So we decided to um, just do the best we can. We found a vet who has a very holistic approach. We love her. And she got this thing out. Lucy had an open wound for a while that we had bandaged once or twice every day. Um, And now she's at the point where everything's all sewn up and she's taking herbs and (laughs) doing all kinds of great things. But the point is that for a 12-year, this 12-year-old dog, it's like she's three or four years old. Her spirit has never been broken through this whole thing. Um, She wants to live and she's excited to be alive. And we've even had trouble keeping her from running when she can't run because she might pull her stitches out. And while some people were saying to me and my son that, well, you know, she's 12, Hint, hint, hint. <laughs> but there was something about Lucy that that just motivated us to to do what we could within reason to to help her out so that she could keep on living because she's just not finished yet. 
Do you know what I mean? So she's been staying with me a lot lately because my son works long hours and she inspires me every day too. I'm just so blown away by her attitude, which I think is another thing that we're going to talk about when it comes to cancer. And so why do I want to talk about cancer? Well, like I said, it's been almost exactly seven years since I had my breast cancer diagnosis. And according to the American Cancer Society, There will be over 1.7 million new cases of cancer diagnosed this year alone, 2019, in the United States of America. So when you just think about that massive number, I think pretty much every single one of us have been touched by cancer ourselves or someone that we love or care about or at least somebody that we know. And because I like to talk about food, the World Cancer Research Fund says that 20% of all cancers diagnosed in the U.S. are related to body fatness, poor nutrition, physical inactivity, and alcohol consumption. That poor nutrition thing struck me. I've always thought that we are what we eat. I've just always believed that, and I've always felt it. I know that if I'm eating things that my body is getting nourishment from, I can feel a difference, you know? And here's the thing. I'm not a fanatic in any sort of way other than I love food. But what I mean is that I'm very moderate, and I believe it's very personal what we eat. And what I eat and what is good for me could be different than what you eat and what's good for you. So I don't, I'm not a a pusher of any sort of, you know, do this diet or eat this and don't eat that. But the American Cancer Society, and I'm I bring them up and I'll put a link on foodlifepod.com because they have a lot of information and it's great because you can, you can just sift through it and, um, and, and, and focus on what you want to focus on. But I think they do a good job of presenting information. So one of their preventive measures that they recommend to prevent cancer is eating right along with staying active and not smoking. So I was thinking about that eating right. What does that mean? And I thought, well, I think there are a few things that we can all agree on, no matter what we like to eat, whether you're a vegan or um, you eat steak or what, whatever your situation is. I think that we can all agree on these, these few things. One is more fruits and vegetables aren't going to hurt us. <laughs> Eating more spinach is never going to be a bad thing, okay? So more fruits and vegetables. Eating whole grains, and you can read a lot of different things about grains, but people, humans, have been eating grains for a long time. Whole grains are probably better for us. And limiting processed meats and processed foods overall. You know, drinking um, sugary drinks and eating candy (laughs) isn't a good thing for us ever. So if we just focus on eating more plants, eating less processed food, again, I think we can all agree on that. And I'm looking for our common ground here. So as we continue our conversation right now, um, I want to share a few recipes that go along that line of being full of veggies and um, spices that are good for us that you can eat and enjoy and feel good about. And um, if you are concerned about cancer prevention, you can eat them and feel good about it. If you're a cancer survivor like me who tries to really think about what she's putting into her body, these recipes will um, feel good to do it. Because there are a lot of rabbit holes that you can go down. Um, One of the things that I am a proponent of is educating yourself. So the minute that I got the call 
after they did my biopsy, first there was a mammogram that looked weird, and then there was a biopsy that confirmed that something was weird. And then I got a call on this rainy morning. I was sitting at my kitchen table, and I was told over the phone that, yeah, by golly, it was cancer. And I should come in and talk to the doctor about all the different options. So I, I just remember immediately um, starting to, I, I wanted to know more. I wanted to know more about this particular kind of cancer that I had in my breast. I wanted to know all about all the options. And that's something that I think is very important is getting more than one opinion, not necessarily on your diagnosis, unless you question it, but on your treatment options. Because I think, like I said earlier, cancer is a very personal journey. That's what I found out for myself. And it's what I have discovered as I've talked to people over the last seven years, who've gone down a road of dealing with cancer. There was uh, one of my um, son's friends in high school, her mother was diagnosed the same time as me with the, the exact same kind of breast cancer. And we ran into each other in the hospital during some of the treatment, but we were doing individual things. Her choices were a little bit different than my choices on how she wanted to um, deal with her cancer. And I think that's the case, no matter what kind of cancer it is, there are always options. I have a friend that's been my friend since I was a young girl, who I just found out he was diagnosed with throat cancer last year. And he decided to take a completely holistic approach. His cancer is in remission right now. So it's very, very personal, and it's very individual. And I think sometimes it's easy, like when I heard that, oh, this other lady, and she's doing that, and oh, my gosh, I wouldn't do that. You you, you want to go into judgment, because we're humans, and that's what we do. But if you stay out of it, and just focus on your own thing, and realize that, you know what, this is my journey, that's her journey, that's his journey, and and honor that it is a very personal journey. And understand that there are Many different ways to skin the cat. One of my favorite old sayings, and there's more than one way to treat whatever kind of cancer you have. So educate yourself and don't be afraid to get more than one opinion, especially on your treatment options. And then make your own decision based on your own self, your own own information, your own even feelings, your own intuition. And listen to your body. I bring that up now because we're, we're about to talk about food. And I I know that my body tells me if I've been eating too much of whatever. I don't necessarily have a crazy sweet tooth, but if, if somebody bakes chocolate chip cookies, I'm all about it, okay? And if I eat chocolate chip cookies for days or eat, you know, too many at one time, I'm going to feel it. Or if I uh, eat too much cheese, and this is just personal, my, my body, because everybody's body is different, I do believe. I know that if I start my day with uh, some nice tea or some hot water with lemon and cayenne. Um, I feel pretty energetic. And if I have some juice along the way, some nice green juice, and no, I don't have a juicer. One of these days I might get one though, because there's nothing as good as a refreshing, very, very good green juice. Um, and it's a great way to get some veggies in. I just know how my energy level is and how I feel. So that's what I mean, listen to your body. And even when I got my cancer diagnosis, it was funny because I had been feeling not bad, but I had just been feeling not, like not quite right. You know what I mean? And I had this hunch, and I think we get those. I think we 
if we tune in, we will hear cues from our body. I, I really think so. I don't know. Maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. All right, so let's talk about a little bit of food here. <laughs> Why did I wait so long, right? Okay, the first thing I want to talk about is getting some more green stuff into your everyday diet. And a great way to do that is to, when you go to the store or the market or whatever, buy some of your very favorite vegetables. Or if you're not a big vegetable eater, and I know people who aren't, um, just vegetables that you can tolerate. Maybe it's carrots. Maybe it's just plain old lettuce. Or maybe it's arugula. I'm really into arugula right now. Um, or spinach or broccoli, whatever it is. Get your vegetables, take them home, clean them right when you get home, and then trim them up or at least sort of prep them, put them in cold water if you need, need to, and put them in your fridge so that you have vegetables ready to go. I think the main reason most of us don't eat enough vegetables is because they're not prepped and ready to go when we're hungry. Or when we get home from work and we want to cook something, it's like, oh, I'm so hungry, I want to eat, and I don't want to peel carrots and chop up lettuce and do all of that stuff. So if you prep ahead of time, maybe just once a week, prep a whole bunch of veggies, put them in your refrigerator, then you can just pull them out and you can eat them. So toss together whatever veggies you like, whatever kind of green stuff, whatever kind of radishes, carrots, jicama, whatever it is, make a big old bowl of colorful green and other colored vegetables. And then this is the recipe for the homemade dressing. This is a lemon tahini dressing. Don't be afraid of tahini. It's just ground up sesame seeds and it just adds some awesome texture. It's almost a little bit almost like a peanut butter kind of thing. And it's delicious. It's what's in hummus. It's uh, it's just something worth having in your pantry. So you're going to mix about a cup of tahini with one half cup lemon juice, at least up to one cup. I like to use more lemon juice. But if you don't want it that lemony, just use a half a cup of lemon juice and then use some water to get it to the consistency you want. Whisk that up with a smushed garlic or two. Or you can use garlic powder if you don't want to handle garlic. Or you can get the garlic in a jar that's already chopped up and add a little bit of that. And some salt and pepper. Taste it. Shake that up. Get it all mixed up together to the consistency you like. You can put it in a jar. It'll stay in your fridge for a week or two. And then every time you get out your vegetables, just put a little bit of that dressing on there. It's a wonderful flavor. It's healthy. You made it yourself. And everybody will be impressed. Mm -hmm. especially your body. The other thing I promised, roasted cauliflower, easiest thing ever. This is a way to get everybody to eat cauliflower. You take your cauliflower, you trim off those big green leaves, and then you set the cauliflower, you know, head up, like, you know, where it looks like a brain on your cutting board, and then just cut thick slices, like you're cutting a, a, a big slice of meat or a big giant tomato or whatever. You have these big slices of cauliflower, lay them on a baking sheet, Put oil all over them. I like to use uh, olive oil. You could use coconut oil or you could use any kind of vegetable oil, whatever kind of oil you like. Um, people are really into grapeseed oil now. It has a high heat point, but I use olive oil, some salt and pepper, any other spices you like, cayenne pepper, garlic powder, um, curry, what, whatever you your palate likes. Put that on your cauliflower. Put it in an oven. 400 even, and let it roast until it's tender. Turn it over once or twice. Keep an eye on it. And then when it gets to the right tenderness for you, pop it out. It's so yummy. It's my favorite way to have cauliflower now. And then finally, a final recipe um, that I want to share. And, it, and again, you can get these exact recipes at foodlifepod.com. 
and feel good about eating these. Curried sweet potato lentil soup. This is uh, one of my family's very favorite recipes. What I love about it is everybody eats it. Seriously, even the picky people in the family. And it started accidentally. I had been making lentil soup a long time as an adult. And then I was at a restaurant once and they had lentil soup, but it was curried sweet potato lentil soup. And it blew me away. And I thought, well, I bet I can figure out how to do that. So here's what you do. You get a sweet potato, you peel it, you cut it into cubes, you toss it in some oil with some salt and pepper, maybe a little cayenne pepper, and you put those cubed potatoes in your oven, you roast them up for, I don't know, 15 minutes, depending on how small your cubes are. I like I like pretty small cubes because they're going to be in a soup. So you want it to be where you can spoon it and put it in your mouth and you're not chewing a big chunk. And um, it doesn't take very long. So you put your oven between 350 and 400 and, and turn them and get them nice and uh, soft. And you take them out, you let them sit. While, while those are roasting and sitting, you want to do your lentil soup. So you just start the way you start most soups with some oil in the bottom of a big old heavy soup pot. And you saute some onions, celery, um, carrot, some red pepper, all diced up pretty small with some salt and pepper. And you just get those softened. Then you add about half a can of crushed tomatoes. If you don't have any crushed tomatoes, don't even worry about it. It just adds a little depth of flavor, but it's not necessary. Once you stir those tomatoes in, put your rinsed lentils in the pot. And I use a whole 16-ounce bag, two cups of lentils. If you want less, you can, but I usually use a whole bag because this soup is great all several days after you've made it. And then you add broth or water or a combination thereof, six to eight cups. I usually add more water because you can cook it longer and cook off some of the water, but if you want to start with less, you can. If as you're cooking the lentils, it boils down and you think, ooh, there, there's not enough water, just add more. Add more broth or water. So you want to uh, cook it on simmer for... And within an hour, the lentils are going to be pretty much tender. And toward the end of that hour, stir in your sweet potatoes, add your curry powder, any kind you want. You can add as little as half a teaspoon to a teaspoon to three teaspoons. I probably put in two or three teaspoons because we really like curry. But if you're skeptical, just put in a little bit, half a teaspoon. Also a little more salt and pepper. And if there's anything else you want, garlic powder or whatever. And then you just cook it until everything's heated all the way through. The potatoes are heated all the way through. And this is going to serve six to eight, depending on how big of a bowl you have for yourself, which will be a big bowl because it's so awesome. Um, But I'm serious. If you've never tried lentil soup before, this is a great way to start it. If you just want it with the sweet potatoes, but you're thinking, "Mm, I don't like that flavor of curry, don't put the curry in. It can just be sweet potato lentil soup. If you don't want sweet potatoes in there, don't put them in. That How about that? That's what I love about soup. You put in what you want. You don't put in what you don't want. But it's really important to season it in layers. So when you first are sauteing your onions and your celery and carrots, you put some salt and pepper on them, just a a pinch. And then you you season again a little bit later on. And you season your potatoes before you roast them so that you end up with a, a wonderful, a wonderfully flavored soup. So there you go. Uh, Some more veggies in our life this week, some clean eating, and um, a book that I want to talk about that I found, I discovered when I 
um, found out I had cancer and it's, I, I use it like crazy still. Chris Carr is her name, K-R-I-S-C-A-R-R. And my favorite one of her, she has several books, is Crazy Sexy Diet. She has an incredible story, her own journey with, um, at a young age of not being healthy and, and being diagnosed. Oops, that's my timer telling me that it's time for me to quit talking. Anyway, great book. And she has recipes in the back of it. I want to I tell you exactly what this recipe is because it's so fantastic. She has a Southwest black bean and roasted sweet potato burger. So it's a veggie burger. And it's a recipe that she got from Pam Brown at the Garden Cafe in Woodstock, New York. It's in Chris's book, Crazy Sexy Diet. It's the best veggie burger I've ever made at home ever. It's so fantastic. So it's another... Um, clean eating recipe and Chris Carr's books, especially Crazy Sexy Diet, are are full of healthy, nutritious, healthy eating, healthy living tips. And whether you follow her program exactly or you modify it like I do and do your own thing, it doesn't matter. I, I think the point is just just getting more nutritious foods into our body. And in a way that works for us, that's palatable. And if you or anyone that you know is going down this cancer road right now, just know that I'm sending out a lot of love and light. I know that may not do much, but hopefully if we all come together and just hold on to each other and lean on each other during these times, we can get through it. So here's to the healing power of good food and good company and... um May the force be with you, for real. (laughs) All right, please take care. We'll talk more soon. I have just been introduced to a couple of people who have some incredible stories to tell. So uh, we may do a cancer journey part two here really, really soon. So stay tuned to find out more about that. I'll talk to you next time. 